Welcome to Perspectives on Perseverance with Dr. Mark Ballard, President of Northeastern Baptist College in Bennington, Vermont. At NEBC, we are committed to developing the mind of a scholar, the heart of a shepherd, and the perseverance of a soldier. This podcast seeks to provide biblical, historical, and contemporary perspectives on perseverance that will help you persevere in your walk with the Lord and in your service to Him, to His people, and His creation. This is episode 15. Join me as we consider the topic we began last week with President Ballard about issues facing the church and how the church can persevere in the midst of crises. Hey, Dr. Ballard, how are you today? I'm doing well, Joe. Looking forward to today's podcast. How about you? I am too. You know, I've been thinking about last week and how we opened up by looking at the book of Jude and looking at the admonition to to defend the faith, to mm. contend for the faith. And uh, frankly, as you explained some of the issues in the, the last podcast, I'm beginning to see them more clearly myself. And so what do you have for us today in regard to the Bible? Well, yeah, actually, as I mentioned last week, I wanted to start with the Bible. And quite frankly, it's because uh, all of our Christian doctrine in one way or another hinges upon our view of Scripture itself. Mm. Um, a lot of the things that we'd like to talk about, whether it's uh, the definition of the gospel, whether it's... Uh, the uh, role of a pastor, uh, whether it's the purpose of the church or baptism, any of the things that uh, people discuss today, in reality, uh, we get our information on that from Scripture for the most part, because uh, we, we understand that that's where we go. It's God's Word. And when people say Scripture is God's Word, um, that means something to them. Uh, however, sometimes uh, that term, even just saying Scripture is God's Word, uh, sometimes that means different things to different people. Uh, in fact, uh, many years ago, uh, one of my professors told me that uh, you need to watch, Mark, because uh, there are a lot of people who use the same vocabulary as you, but a different dictionary. And uh, that is no more true than in the area of Scripture. Mm. Uh, in, in fact, um, many of our listeners are, are well aware, uh, as you are, Joe, of the debates over Scripture around the beginning of the 20th century, in the early 1900s, and uh, how that uh, the historic position of the church, which has clearly been demonstrated, is that... Um, church has always held that the Bible is God's word, that it is the final authority, uh, that it is without error, that it is infallible, that it teaches truth, and that uh, truth is what corresponds to reality, and so we can count on it. However, in uh, the early 1900s, um, people began to uh, redefine the idea of infallibility, and they began to say things like, well, it's infallible in its purpose. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't make mistakes or it doesn't it err. Um, they would say that there are errors, particularly in the areas of history uh, and also in the areas of science. But they would say we still believe in infallibility because we believe that uh, the purpose of the Bible will be accomplished and it's infallible in its purpose, which is to point people to, to Christ. Um, and so that debate began to develop. And people begin to um, understand that if we say that the Bible has mistakes in it, uh, that the Bible is, is, is wrong, um, that uh, it has errors in it, then uh, in reality, uh, how can we distinguish between errors of history and errors of salvation? And uh, how, how, do you, how do you do that? 
And so um, there was the, the whole big fight uh, that kind of was, was dealt with. But then in the 1960s and 70s, it kind of reared up again in a, a large way, particularly within the evangelical world. Um, and so after the, the fights of the early years, there was the mainline denominations, many of them that, that took a lesser view of Scripture and the evangelicals who took a higher view of Scripture. But uh, in the 60s and 70s within evangelical life and Joe, even, even within Baptist life, uh, people began to question uh, this issue of inerrancy of Scripture and uh, is the Bible inerrant? Uh, or is it not inerrant? And so this arguments uh, took place. And in 1978, uh, a group of people got together, wrote the Chicago Statement on Inerrancy. Um, the Evangelical Society eventually adopted that as their position uh, on uh, inerrancy. And uh, they followed up with uh, a statement on hermeneutics and how we study the Bible and uh, the, the critical nature um, that uh, this is, I mean, the critical issue of how we approach Scripture, whether we approach it as a critic uh, in the sense of um, believing it's a human book that needs to be um, analyzed and, and parts of it rejected, or do we approach it uh, with a grammatical historical approach of it to interpretation? Uh, that same during that same period of time, of course, the battle the Bible in the Southern Baptist Convention uh, was heightened. And so 78, 79 uh, were big years, 78 uh, for the Chicago Statement on Inerrancy, 79 when the Southern Baptist Convention elected Dr. Adrian Rogers as president, uh, who said that he would stand firmly on the inerrancy of Scripture, and uh, he would only appoint people to committees uh, that uh, did so. And uh, in turn, those committees only appointed trustees uh, to our uh, Southern Baptist agencies um, that also held to an inerrancy uh, position. And so um, that began what was called the conservative resurgence in the Southern Baptist Convention. And um, over a several year period that most people mark as coming to a conclusion in 2000, uh, when we adopted the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, where the Southern Baptist Convention clearly made a statement on we stand on the inerrancy of Scripture, that it is without error in all matters to which it speaks, including uh, history and scientific issues. And so it, it, it was things like we believe that the first two chapters of Genesis are absolutely true. Uh, we believe that uh, uh, Jonah, uh, the book of Jonah, is actually a historical events uh, that are recorded there and other places uh, in Scripture, and so so that's kind of where we've been. And uh, I think you're, I know you're fully aware of that, and I believe most of our listeners are probably fully aware of that. Um, I think what will shock some of our listeners, Joe, is that um, that battle has uh, reengaged. Mm -hmm. um, I know that. Um, that uh, I, I, I remember in the 1980s uh, being warned that uh, even, even when this battle wins, every generation has to fight uh, the battles for the, the inerrancy of Scripture. And uh, I remember thinking that, yeah, that'll probably come uh, right after I die, uh, you know. But um, here we are 20 years after the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, and we find ourselves again in a place where people are questioning the inerrancy of Scripture. 
Yeah, you know, President Ballard, as you mentioned that and the, um, almost the recurrence of it, I, I've seen that, um, not necessarily in my education. I've been fortunate enough to uh, go to schools that have stood on the inerrancy of the Bible and, and uh, stand to that grammatical, historical viewpoint of it. Uh, but I've had professors uh, at those schools that have talked about it significantly. As, having lived through it, having been some of the key uh, fighters in it uh, for inerrancy, but I'm noticing... Um, and I say this because I am one, I'm noticing among my generation, it seems there's a lack of appreciation for what happened in the midst of the conservative resurgence and why we actually stand on the inerrancy of Scripture. Can you speak to that? Sure. I, I actually, I think that's true. I, I think, um, you know, for a lot of people, they felt like it was a long, hard battle. And uh, certainly there were people that were that were mischaracterized and hurt in the midst of it. And people just kind of wanted to get beyond it and, mm -hmm. and move on. And so I think that, uh, I, I understand that, but I think that also we, we failed to do what our school is about, and that is um, from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, commit the things that you've learned among many witnesses to faithful men who will teach others also. And I, I think we failed to uh, convey necessarily the importance of standing on that doctrine. Um, it's really, really the last five or six years, um, things have really uh, begun to show uh, particularly in the broader evangelical world, uh, in 2014, um, Craig Blumberg, uh, professor at Denver Seminary, wrote a wrote a book, and the title of the book is "Can We Still Trust the Bible?" And uh, his answer uh, in the book is "Yes, we can." And uh, he he says that uh, we can still trust the Bible. He he wants to hold. To inerrancy, um, he does a lot to show the, the historical reliability um, of, um, of the documents of the Old Testament, the documents of the New Testament. Um, he has a lot of good things to say about that, and he, he says that he believes that we must hold to inerrancy, uh, which on, on face value, that sounds really, really exciting. It certainly does. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what we would want to hear. However... Uh, in his book, he actually redefines inerrancy. Mm. Uh, he redefines it um, hanging on a um, on uh, Article 13 of the um, of the Chicago Statement on Inerrancy. A particular phrase he kind of lifts that phrase out, and he uh, puts a bunch of stuff into there that actually the writers of the Chicago Statement um, uh, deny that that's at all what they had in mind. For instance, Geisler or, um, or um, uh, Sproul uh, as well, they denied that, uh, that Blomberg had actually uh, characterized what they wrote accurately. And, and really, here's, here's some of the problems, and, and uh, Joe, I don't want to go over all of them. Uh, I would commend our readers, if they're interested, uh, in the topic beyond what we say today to to look at his book as well as uh, the answers to his book. But uh, Blomberg actually says that inerrancy is consistent uh, in principle with seeing historical persons in the Bible not as real people, but as just symbols. Wow. Um, and that, that you, could, you could believe that they were a symbol. So for instance, so Job may be a symbol or Jonah may be a symbol and not an actual person. You know, I, I have heard of, of those discussions, but I can't imagine an inerrantist actually, uh, someone who claims to be an inerrantist, 
promoting that because it seems that even Jesus would affirm the, the reality of Jonah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and then so, so he would say, though, that you can believe that, Joe, that Job or Jonah uh, are not necessarily real, real people. Or, or, or in, in Jonah's case, he said he was probably a real person. Uh, he probably was a real prophet, but portions, particularly chapter 2, uh, of Jonah was probably a legend uh, that was added. So w- with that being said, President Ballard, um, I mean, maybe some of our listeners are on the fence as to inerrancy, and maybe saying, well, you know, what if Jonah wasn't real, or what if Job wasn't real? How does that affect our theology? How does that affect our, our view of the Bible? Um, what, would, what would you answer to that? Well, that's a, that's, that's a great question, and that really is the, the issue that is, is at stake here. Um, is the the book of Job and the book of Jonah both present themselves as historical facts. Um, in, in Jonah's case, in particular, as you mentioned, Jesus affirmed that. Uh, uh, James affirms Job uh, in, in his writing in the New Testament. And, uh, and all of the flow of Scripture teach all, or presents all of those as historical you know, accounts. Um, the same thing, by the way, that Blomberg does with the first 11 chapters of Genesis. He says that, uh, that those are not necessarily historical accounts, whether we're talking about the flood or creation, the fall, um, Adam and Eve. He, he actually said that, that it's not necessary that there really was an Adam and an Eve um, that, uh, to, to be an inerrantist. And what that does is if the Bible presents something as a historical reality, but it's wrong then how do we know it's right about anything? Um, on, on top of that, if, if uh, the fall is not correct, if the, the historical account of the fall, then why do we even need a Savior? Um, and so there's, there's many, many issues and many concerns with that. And I, I think really what I want to convey to our listeners is we need to understand that uh, if the Bible is God's Word, and it is as Second Timothy chapter three verse sixteen says: all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, or literally, Joe, as you know, that means God breathed. If God breathed His word, if this is really God's word and not man's word, and God, if if God truly uh, is perfect, He cannot speak lies, then therefore it must follow that His word is also perfect, that his word is true, and that uh, it, it corresponds to reality. So if, if the things that the Bible present as historical fact are not true, then we have a real problem with understanding uh, the Bible as God's word. But of course, they are true, and uh, God's word is true. Jesus held that they were true. Jesus said, that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Uh, Jesus said that not even a, a jot or a tittle or a, a yot uh, in the Hebrew language, so the smallest letter. You're giving of, me some trauma Hebrew. bringing Hebrew back into my mind. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Well, I, I'm actually thinking, Joe, about uh, studying modern Hebrew as well, so I can kind of know the differences between them. But, but Jesus uh, used that to say the smallest letter of the Old Testament would not pass away, nor even a tittle is the smallest part of a letter, as you know. Uh, it's just a little tale that uh, kind of distinguishes between their, the R and the D sound in the Hebrew language. 
And so Jesus says not, not even the smallest letter or smallest part of the letter. Um, and Jesus also actually made arguments, theological arguments, uh, not only on uh, the words of the Old Testament, but on the tenses of the verbs in the Old Testament. Uh, when, when he says that uh, God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God is the God of the living, not of the dead. So, so Jesus' uh, Jesus's view of Scripture was very clear, that it's all true, that we can count on the very words of Scripture, and that we can count on the tenses of the verbs of Scripture. And so that was Jesus' view. Jesus, as you said, um, very clearly indicated uh, not only uh, that Jonah was a real person, uh, but also that uh, Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. Uh, Jesus also in included um, the response of the Ninevites to uh, Jonah's preaching because he, he warned that uh, the men of Nineveh would rise up in judgment for the people of his day because a greater than Jonah was here. And so, so if we jettison the truthful, the historical truth that is demonstrated in Scripture, then we're actually jettisoning even Jesus' view of Scripture as well. So we, it begins to open the door to many problems. Mm, absolutely. And, uh, you know, as, as you bring that up, I was just thinking of John seventeen seventeen, where mm. Jesus asked the Father to sanctify his church mm. by the truth. Mm. And then Jesus affirms that his word is truth. Mm. And uh, even, even also Psalm 119, 160 uh, says the entirety of your word is truth. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we can try and explain away. And I found in my own uh, life that Genesis 1 through 11 typically is where people try to explain away the truth of the Bible. Mm. Uh, but no doubt David would have had the Torah, including Genesis 1 through 11, in his purview when he wrote those words. Mm. And, um, and I, I can see that certainly. Uh, I'm thankful that you are teaching that here at Northeastern Baptist College and that our students are embracing that. Uh, so do you have a final thought to leave us with today? Actually, I, I have two of them. Um, I know our, our time is running here, but I just want to tell our folks, I want to encourage you to read a book called Vital Issues in the Inerrancy Debate. It was uh, published in 2015. Again, the title of that is Vital Issues in the Inerrancy Debate. And um, it deals with uh, these issues in the larger evangelical world. Uh, and uh, I would commend that to you. Uh, I also would like to just say that uh, I believe in recent days, uh, even Southern Baptists need to need to uh, shore up ourselves on this issue. And um, I look forward to, I'm working on uh, the first chapter of uh, the book that I mentioned last week. And uh, we're asking the question, does it still matter? And one the first chapter is, does inerrancy still matter? And uh, when that comes out later in the year, or maybe the first of next year, um, we'll deal with this issue as well uh, as many other issues that we're facing today, because it does still matter. And so my closing thought for us today, uh, Joe, is this. Uh, God's Word is true. It is absolutely true. It is inerrantly true. And to quote Norm Geisler uh, from a, a, just a few years ago, he's in, the, he's in uh, heaven with the Lord now, but Norm Geisler said it this way, if the Bible is not inerrant, then it must be errant. There are no other options. So if you will not affirm inerrancy, why not? Hmm. That's a good thought. Thank you, President Ballard, for 
pointing us to the Word of God. Thank you for joining us. If you've listened to the podcast today, uh, this is Perspectives on Perseverance. If you'd like to know more about Northeastern Baptist College, please visit us on the web at nebcvt.org. I'd also like to point out to you that we are hosting a preview day on April 2nd. And if you'd like to bring a student to that, if you'd like to come yourself, please sign up on our website under the admissions tab. You can go to schedule a visit and we'd love to have you. It's a free day on campus where you get to meet President Ballard. You get to meet uh, more of our faculty and learn more about Northeastern Baptist College. Again, thank you for joining us. And no matter what today may bring, have a great day in Jesus.